Hi, this is Jen with Bright Families. Today I'm talking about keeping kids safe. And I mean, particularly keeping them safe from certain types of predatory people. And I think that we have this discussion kind of wrong with kids. I don't think we really teach them the tools that are going to help prevent things from happening. I think what we tell kids is only going to help if things have already kind of progressed with a predator. So for example, we tell kids, you know, don't let people touch you in your private parts. Don't let people touch you in ways that make you feel weird. But the reality is that the kind of person who's going to do that is going to do a bunch of other things first. And we need to be very vigilant, of course, as parents, but we can also use language to talk to kids about that part of it, that grooming process before there's any touching. The part where the predatory person says, oh, don't tell your parents, or this is our secret, or let me show you something, and builds a rapport, and a feeling of complicity and involvement with that child. So I'll share a few examples to make it more clear what I mean, and also how I talked with my own kids about this very awkward topic when they were young enough that I was trying to, you know, intervene before anything like this could have happened. So in the Catholic Church, when you volunteer you have to do this program called Virtus, which is just kind of horrific. Um, It's designed to train you to spot predatory behavior in other adults so that children are protected. And of course, this is an attempt to salvage, you know, some of the damage that's been done by people in positions of authority abusing children. Now for comparison, I've also done the YMCA, um, you know, Keeping Kids Safe program, And it was literally laughable. There were moments in the video where we just could not take it seriously as a group and we were all chuckling. So I do think that the Catholic program is good in the sense of being very real and very serious. And part of why it is so unpleasant to watch is that they have interviews with actual predators who describe their techniques, how they gained access to children through their work or through... Um, their neighborhood kids, even using their own kids as kind of kid bait to get other kids over to their house. And then they describe what they did. They describe how they took pictures of all the kids at the roller skating rink or, and had a whole album of their favorites and how maybe only one parent ever said, Hey, that is weird that you are taking pictures of these kids at the rink. Most parents were like, yeah, whatever, but they weren't even looking. This other guy described how he would invite all the neighbor kids over to play with his kids, and then he would leave out pornographic materials and let that ki- let kids find it accidentally, air quotes, obviously, on accidentally. And then once the kid had found it, And then he would accidentally, 
walk in on the kid looking at it and the kid would of course look embarrassed and he'd say oh oh sorry you weren't supposed to see that don't tell your parents and then most of the time the kids wouldn't so he got access to many many kids this way and he furthermore said that before he left out the porn he would talk to all the kids and basically size them up for how close they were to their parents, whether both parents were living at home, whether they seemed like they could be manipulated, or whether they had such a secure relationship with their parents that they were immediately going to tell anything that happened. So this is super, super scary to read, to listen to as a parent, this guy describing sizing up his victims and and then how he would, you know, create these scenarios. And people worry a lot about, you know, kids getting abducted and stuff. And I don't think parents worry enough statistically <laughs> to, to reflect the statistical odds of the predator being someone you know. The number of stories in my own extended family, in the extended families of my friends of an uncle or grandpa or cousin pushing the line, crossing the line, is is so high. It's just so high. If people in your life are honest, you would hear so many of these stories. And very often, people don't share these stories because they feel deeply ashamed, naturally. And a very small kid won't even have the words necessarily to describe what happened, especially if it's something kind of indefinite, but still inappropriate, they will most definitely not have the words. And they, of course, will feel that it's their fault. They don't realize that the adult orchestrated the whole situation to make it feel like it was their decision or their fault, when, of course, in fact, the whole thing was just staged to look like an accident or to build their... uh, their manipulated, you know, sense of duty about it. So what I told my kids after all this is there are weird people out there. They might show you weird things. And the example I use with my girls is I said, what if there was some weird person who loved to hurt animals and they like to take pictures of themselves hurting animals. Now, of course, the little girls, they loved animals, and I didn't want to explain porn to them, but I wanted to think of something that was sufficiently real and awful that they could imagine that some weird person would do this and would want another person to join them in their weird thing. So that's the example I came up with. I said, so they, this person has a, a picture book of animals he's hurt, and You're over at his house and he leaves it out and you find it. And then he says, oh, you weren't supposed to see that. And so you feel like this whole thing was an accident, but you might look at the pictures kind of longer than you really want to because they're so terrible. But sometimes when things are terrible, we have a hard time looking away because we're just so surprised and horrified, but we kind of get glued to the pictures. And so that 
person who left the pictures out, who likes to do these weird things, is going to make you feel guilty for looking at the pictures for a little bit. And then he's counting on it that you would feel too embarrassed to tell your parents. And then if he showed you more weird stuff, you would still feel too embarrassed. Because how would you go back to your parents and say, hey, mom, today I opened up an album of animals being tortured and I looked at it for a while. How do you even start that conversation? And so I told my girls, if weird things happen, it's not an accident. If something weird happens with an adult, the adult has way more experience than you. In all likelihood, the weird thing was planned. And they are trying to do something weird. They're trying to get something out of you. It's not an accident. And I said, you will have a feeling that it's weird. But maybe you won't quite know why. Because you're too young to have the words. And you don't have sufficient experience of the world. To know quite exactly what's normal and not. And they're counting on that. They're counting on you to ignore your sense of discomfort and kind of talk yourself out of it or distract yourself or ignore it or whatever. And so I told the girls this and I said, has anyone ever made you uncomfortable? And even in a way you didn't really have the words, you know, and I assumed the answer would be no. But what actually came out was that my eight-year-old said, when we had been at a jump, a bouncy house with someone, this guy um, that was, you know, my sister knew, had kept asking her to sit on his lap while they went down the slide. They were at the top of the slide. I was at the bottom with a little toddler. So I wasn't supervising the situation closely enough, but all they did was walk up to the slide, to the top of the slide, and then come down. But in the intervening few minutes... This guy said, hey, do you want to sit on my lap to go down the slide? And she said, no, 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 I don't really know you. And she was a small enough kid that he just picked her up and put her on his lap and went down the slide. Now, what she did at that point made sense for however old she was. Maybe she was less than eight at that point. But she just kind of lurked around me the rest of the night. So I thought she wasn't feeling that great. But, you know, we'd paid to get in the bounce house, so we finished out our hour or two or whatever we were going to do. And she never told me about it. She didn't have the words. It also wasn't a big enough thing, even though it did make her uncomfortable. And she remembered it a year or two later when I, you know, thought it was time to have this conversation. And I vaguely remembered that she just lurked around me the rest of the night. So that is, of course, what we talked about. If you are getting weird vibes off of someone you've got to not be alone with them, right? You got to, you got to get out of there and go be with other people. Even if you can't explain it in the moment, you can make whatever excuse you want. Say, I don't feel well. And, uh, you know, I need to do this or that. I need to talk to my mom. And so this is a big, kind of an ongoing discussion I've had with now the younger girls too. And as the kids get older, not my, not my eight-year-olds, but when the kids got older, I told them a story of something that happened with me 
where I had um, a teacher in my life when I was in like middle school age. And he asked me to read books aloud to him after school. And I remember my 10 or 11 year old spidey sense kind of went off and I was like, that's kind of weird. Like I can't be that good at reading. There's no way. Like, why would he want, why would someone want me to read aloud to them, right? But he didn't say, you know, let's go in a dark closet or let's take a walk in the woods or anything truly, truly suspicious to my 11-year-old level of experience. And so, you know, while the parents were coming and picking up their kids, we were sitting on a, in some um, benches, not next to each other, not on the same bench, and I was reading out loud. And I guess after this happened once or twice or whatever, I must have mentioned it to my mom. And she kind of went nuts. <laughs> and so um, <clears throat> she said, yeah, that's that's not cool. That's totally not cool. I never want you to do that again. And she was right, right? He was trying to create some kind of relationship for who knows what end with just me. And teachers are not supposed to do that. She went to the teacher and said, if you ever talk to my daughter again outside of class for the rest of the school year, I'm going to call the police. And furthermore, find yourself another job for next year, which he did. And if she had not intervened right at the beginning, I don't know what would have happened. But fortunately for me, my mom's sense about this is, is very developed because she was herself a victim of abuse. So she can kind of, you know, smell it when people are like this. Now, a friend of mine who's a principal had another example, kind of like what went on with my mom, was she said they're in kind of a bilingual school. They're teaching in English, but most of the kids, you know, also speak Spanish. And there was a teacher who talked to a particular girl routinely in Spanish during school. And so, of course, she talked to him about it a couple times and she said, that's not cool. We're not supposed to single any kids out. If you want to talk to all the kids in Spanish, if you want to play a game, whatever, you know, that's different. But you cannot single one kid out to speak the kind of home language in, um, even if it's all in the middle of the playground where everyone can see you. That's just not cool. And he didn't listen and she fired him. And so regardless of whether any of these people that I'm talking about, the guy on the slide, the guy who wanted me to read out loud, the guy who wanted to speak Spanish, regardless of whether they're true diabolical predators, they know what the rules are. In our culture, they know what people do to keep their kids safe and they know they're breaking the rules. And the spirit of what they did is against against that, against kids saying no, against keeping kids safe. Now, it's also, of course, really important to talk to your kids about this. And as kids get older, the conversations get a little more like, okay, we need to have a code word, right? Hopefully you have a family code word that if they text it, you have a protocol if they text a certain letter or if they text a certain word that you know to call them and say, hey, I have to pick you up, so sorry, and bail them out, right? Because situations can get 
weird, even just with your peers, where you just need to be bailed out of something. But also, if my kid was hanging out with another kid, and they seem like they're having a great time, and then one time they're like, I don't want to hang out with them anymore, I'm going to hit record on my phone and try to figure out what happened. And I did have this happen once. I don't think anything had actually happened, but just in case, I filmed the conversation. Because sometimes kids are only going to tell you once what happened. And if you've got a recording device in your pocket, there is no reason not to use it. So if you're suspicious, if your spidey sense is going off as a parent, then do, do what you need to do. Obviously, talk to the adult, get the kid away from that person who's singling them out. And have some kind of code words or <clears throat> phrases in place for when kids find themselves, for whatever reason, in a situation that feels weird. And the thing I tell my kids all the time is, if it feels weird, it is weird. Always, always, always trust your gut. Always trust your gut. It will keep you alive. Now, there are very anxious people who feel weird about all sorts of things. And it's possible to feel weird because a situation is unusual in a good way, right? But still, still, you could roll with the same rule and say, always, always trust your gut. Because whatever feels weird, you should be paying attention to it, even if it's a good thing. There's a reason it feels weird. There's something you should learn there. But most definitely, if it's not a good thing. And the other thing we've talked about with my girls is um, dark humor. You know, Gavin DeBecker in his book called The Gift of Fear, which is super interesting. He talks about people using dark humor as a way to kind of brush off their uncomfortable gut feelings. And how if you feel like you need to make a dark humor joke about a situation, sometimes you're just relieving tension because it's a you know, a genuinely difficult but understandable situation. But sometimes people make dark humor jokes because they feel like they can't just say what's making them uncomfortable. Um, so there's an example in his book of people getting a package at an office and it's very heavy, they don't know where it came from, it's wrapped kind of weirdly and they start opening it up and as they're opening it up, they're joking about how it's probably a bomb. And it was. It was a Unabomber bomb. And a couple people survived because their uncomfortable feelings about it being a bomb and hearing their coworkers joke about it being a bomb had them made them walk out of the room. So there's a lot of different layers to keeping kids safe. But I hope this addresses some of the conversations that need to happen. And it's it's a very awkward topic to talk about this honestly with your kids. If something unpleasant does happen to them, they may not tell you for a long, long time. But if something happened to you and your child is old enough that you can tell them that story honestly, I think that's really helpful. And I do think parents are more aware now than 20 or 30 years ago about the potential for predators in your own circle. And so 
I know my brothers would never ever try to be alone and single out any one of my girls. They would never go into a room with one of my kids and close the door. And these are my brothers. I love them. I trust them. But we all know that it's just better to not do anything that would ever make you uncomfortable with each other or suspicious of each other. So we don't. So I hope this has been helpful and given you some tools to talk to your own kids. This is Jen with Bright Families. Take care.